0: Okay, for some that come to the uh, Saturday men's Bible study, uh, we're in the book of Matthew. We covered chapter 3 yest- yesterday. So it'll be chapter 4 this coming Saturday. So it's great to be here with you. We're going to be in the uh, book of Jude, as Gerard said, one chapter. Five books in the Bible with one chapter Obadiah, Philemon. Second John, 3 John, and Jude, 5. And so that's where we are. We're in verses 8 through 11. And by the way, coming up in uh, after Easter, uh, coming up on Palm Sunday, we'll have a Palm Sunday message, which is April 2nd. Good Friday will be April the 7th. And then Resurrection Easter will be April the 9th. And so I plan on starting the Book of Acts and the Book of Revelation on April the 16th. I'm still undecided about which one will be which. I've had a lot of comments on which one they would like. But uh, either way, it'll be the word of God. That's key. Okay? So Jude. As we started looking at this uh, epistle a couple weeks ago, now we're up to verse 8. We'll have two more messages after today. Next week uh, and then the last uh, Sunday of, of uh, March. So uh, this epistle was written, being only one chapter, but it's very important, contains many very important truths that we need to take heed to, especially in the day in which we live, not just in the day in which it was written back then, during that time, but right today. We are seeing things happening at an alarming rate. I often think about it. You've heard me say this many times. Many churches that started out very fine have turned apostate. It's called the apostasy. We know that in the last days, one of the characteristics of the last days will be apostasy, a falling away from the faith. Sad to say... I often think of the men and women that were involved in founding these churches that God used, how they would feel today if they came back and saw those churches. It can slip easy. It happens, and you might say, well, it will never happen to us. You never want to take that attitude because we always have to be on the cutting edge uh, because it can happen to any church. Because many of those churches that have fallen away were solid biblical churches at one time, founded by godly men and women. I've mentioned this. There's a church that Gordon knows very well in Saugerties, New York. It was a lighthouse there for I don't know how many years, probably a couple hundred years. It's now not a church building anymore. It's used as an office building. The church is no longer there. The lighthouse, the light has been removed in Saugerties From this very, very, I preached at that church a number of, a couple of times, two, three times, and sad to say, it's no longer a church. I rode by it a couple of weeks ago, and my heart was grieved to see what it has turned in. The all-purpose building was torn down. A parking lot was made out of the all, where the all-purpose building was, and now the building is turned into an office building. So we need to take heed. We need to listen. We need to be instructed. We need to be alert and on the guard, not only in our own lives personally, but also in the life of the church. So these these verses here, Jude is going to reveal the character of false teachers, and then the verses following that, he's going to also speak about that as well. He uses biblical examples of the character in the evil ways of false teachers. First of all, in verse 8, he talks about the evil way of their thought life. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despising dominion and speaking evil of dignitaries. Their thought life, he talks about They dream of of defiling the flesh. When we talk about the flesh here, we're talking about the the old life. They they defile the, the flesh, not only the physical part, but also the spiritual part. Their thought life is polluted. You know, all of us have a battle in our minds, right? There's a battle for your mind. Everyone here has it. I have it. There's thoughts sometimes that comes to your mind and heart, and you know that, and sometimes those thoughts are not so great, and so we have to dispel those thoughts and have our mind focused on good things. I often think of the passage in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. Think on these things. Probably one of the worst things we can do before we go to bed at night is watch the news and I'm guilty of it, or the talking heads. You will go to bed with a negative mind, with all that stuff poured into your mind. It's better to go to bed having your mind focused on good things, on God, his word, and the good things of life that you enjoy, that we all enjoy. Not that we put our heads in the sand like an ostrich, but still, we don't want to fill our minds with a lot of that stuff. In fact, it's coming greater and greater in these days. You know that. You see it all around you, all, all, every place you go. It's there. So, but these evil teachers, false teachers, they, they have, they're defiling the flesh, despising, uh, dominion and speaking evil of dignitaries. Now, let me just say this, and when in the next point, we'll come right into this. I know we have our own opinion on the politics. I would recommend you, and I'm talking to myself, don't spend a lot of time getting wrapped up in the political system. You hear me? You know what it is. You know how it is. There's no sense of spending tons of time on that. I hear, yes, even believers sometimes are railing against the Political system, and I understand why you can see why it's pretty obvious, but we ought to spend more time praying for them right okay and uh it's i know it's I know it's easy it's that's an easy thing to do, but we gotta be careful that we don't spend a lot of time just railing on them, okay and uh And then secondly is they reject ordained authority. Now, the authority is this. There's biblical authority and there's worldly authority. All of us are under some authority or should be. Children are under the authority of their parents. You know, and there's authority within the home. There's a re- authority within the church. There's authority within the country. We all come under it. When you came here this morning and you driving your car, you came under the authority of the, the laws of the road. We all did or should have. Okay? We know that. We're reminded of that very quickly when we see a state trooper parked by the fairgrounds, which, if you're going down through Rhinebeck, Probably if you go 10 times, seven times, there'll be either a state trooper sitting there or a sheriff. And you have to drop down from 45 miles an hour down to 30. Because if you go, there's a little saying the police have five is fine, 10 is mine. You know what that means? They'll give you five miles over the speed limit, but if you go 10, that's mine. Five is fine. Ten is mine. I heard that from our grandson, Andrew, who's a policeman out in Fort Collins. I asked him. He said, five is fine. Ten is mine. So just remember that. But I would still stay down at the speed limit. And uh, it's amazing. We went up to Albany the other day, came down the throughway, You drive 65 on the thruway. That's how it is. It's like you're standing still in 65. It's amazing. But we're supposed to obey the laws of the land. Now, just turn to Romans chapter 13. And uh 13:1 Romans 13:1 let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, the powers that be ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resist the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive the to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the to evil. Wilt thou then... Not be afraid of the powers, uh, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou be that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath unto him that doeth evil. Now when we think about a minister of God, we often think of a pastor or some leader in the church. But the leaders of the land are also ministers of God. They're not ministers in the same way that ministers are in the church. But they have leadership or authority to lead. They have to give an account. They will give an account for themselves as well, that they should lead properly and righteously. Obviously, again, we know that that doesn't happen. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. But we should pray for them, that they will lead with wisdom and guidance and direction. So, that's the authority. They speak evil of the authority. So we have to be very careful when we're critical about the authority. Instead of being critical, we should pray for them. You may not always agree with their politics. You have an opportunity in November to vote. Okay? And uh, so what we need to do is then come under authority. Again, there's certain things we will not come under authority, and the apostles told the Sanhedrin that very clearly. In in Acts chapter 5, we ought to obey God rather than men. The higher authority always takes priority over any other authority. So it's a chain of command. I wasn't in the service, but I understand the chain of command. God is here and then underneath him. So if they are violating his authority, then we have to always go to the higher authority. We ought to obey God rather than men. So my allegiance has to be, first of all, to the Lord. Okay, but that doesn't mean I don't come under authority in other areas as well. Underneath that, as long as that authority isn't violating the teachings and principles of God. Now I have to go to him like the apostles did when they were told not to preach in Jesus name by the authority in Jerusalem. And they said very clearly, we ought to obey God rather than men because they were commissioned by Jesus Christ to preach the word. And teach. So that's the higher authority. Now the next one here. This is a very interesting verse. Verse 9. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he, he disputed about the body of Moses, doth not bring a, against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuked thee. Now Michael is an archangel. He's the only one in the Bible that's mentioned as an archangel. Now, probably Gabriel would be in the same category, but he's not called an archangel. We know he's mentioned here, and also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when the rapture occurs, the Lord will descend with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we that are alive. But here, this is only found here about disputing about the body of Moses is a very interesting statement. And there's a lot of discussion on this. They're not quite sure exactly what this means, but they were disputing for his body, Moses' body. Now, now you'll hear sometimes people say this. So let me just uh, reconstruct your understanding of this. I rebuke the devil. You'll hear Christians say that. Be careful. Notice what it says. The Lord rebuke him. You want to make sure you don't have the authority to do it. The Lord does. See what it says here? Even Michael the Archangel says, The Lord rebuke thee. The Lord. So we got to be careful. I don't have that power and authority to rebuke the devil, but I do in Jesus Christ. The Lord rebuke you, devil. That's the way, and that's important. And I'm sure probably, well, I've said that. I I rebuke the devil, but I I, I thought about this, and I saw this verse, and I went over this, and I said, I can't rebuke him. Even Michael the archangel couldn't, but he says, the Lord rebuke thee. And that's the key. You see it? Right. It's like whatever we do, we don't do in our name. We do in his name. We do in the Lord's name. And that's the key to this. But it's very interesting. So there obviously was a contention over the body of Moses. Now, we know that Moses was buried On the other side of the Jordan, he never went into the promised land. He could see the promised land, but he didn't go into the promised land. But then I correct that statement. He did go into the promised land. Does anybody know when? When he was transfigured with Jesus, with Moses and Elijah. Remember that? In Matthew 17... He didn't go in during that Old Testament time. But when Jesus went up to the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus was transfigured. And right alongside him was two Old Testament saints, Moses and Elijah. And a lot of people believe that they're going to be the two witnesses in the book of Revelation. Either Moses and Elijah or Elijah and Enoch. The reason why they say maybe Elijah and Enoch is because neither one of them faced physical death. Enoch was taken, it says, and Elijah was taken in the fiery chariot into the heaven. Neither one of them faced physical death. That's why some people believe those two witnesses in Revelation is Elijah and Moses. I would probably lean more towards or Elijah and Enoch. I would probably lean a little bit more towards Moses and Elijah because Moses represents the Old Testament law, and Elijah represents the prophets. Not that I obviously cannot be dogmatic on that. Now, so moving on here. Now he's going to speak of three areas of sin, rebellion, of false prophets. One is the way of Cain. The other is the era of Balaam. And the third one is the parish and the gain saying of Korah. Now that in the, the Greek form, this, uh, is, uh, that's the Greek form of Korah. The real, it would be K-O-R-A-H, Korah. But here in the King James, you'll see C-O-R-E. That's the Greek form. Now, Cain. What do we know about Cain? Well, you remember back in the Book of Genesis, Cain and Abel. What kind of sacrifice did Abel bring? Anybody know? A blood sacrifice. What kind of sacrifice did Cain bring? A produce sacrifice. I see two aspects in the between Cain and Abel. Attitude and type of sacrifice. See, when you bring something to the Lord, it's not only gotta be the type that He wants, but the attitude of the heart. I, I could, uh, I'll use a, uh, will use a logic symbol. For some of you that do not know, there's and blocks and or blocks in logic. And blocks is you gotta have two inputs to get an output. An or block is one input or the other input to get an output. This is not an or block. This is an and block, meaning I believe it's got to be the right sacrifice and it's got to be the right heart attitude. Okay, I could bring the right sacrifice but have the wrong heart. I could give my offering in that offering box back there but not do it with the right heart. Right? So he wants both. He lo- it says he loves a cheerful giver. So do I bring it with the right heart? And do I bring the right sacrifice? And Cain did not. Cain brought the wrong sacrifice, and he had a bad attitude. In fact, his attitude was so bad, what did he do? Huh? He murdered his brother, Abel. Okay? Okay? Now, false teachers. I'll talk about the sacrifice. I hear this, and I heard this early on in my Christian life. Here's the hymn book. They removed the blood from the hymn book, I heard. Praise the Lord, our hymn book has the blood in it. There's power in the blood. Are you washed through the blood? Many other songs. There was a man, he was a pastor of a great church down in New York City called Riverside Church. His name was Harry Fosbeck. Anybody heard of him? Now this is going to alarm you. I'm almost cautious about saying it. But here's what he said from the pulpit. The blood of Christ has no more value than the blood of a chicken that man is going to face judgment. Can you imagine saying that from a pulpit as a pastor? I'm telling you the blood of Christ is precious. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen? That's why in the Lord's Supper we partake of the cup, which is a representation of the blood of Christ. The blood is absolutely essential. Cain did not bring a blood sacrifice. He brought a vegetable sacrifice. We're saved by the blood. We, you know, we're coming up on Good Friday. And Good Friday, we're going to remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross that he shed his blood for our sins. So don't ever, I know blood comes sometimes. Oh, blood. You know, but it's precious. The blood, and in, in Leviticus 17.11, it says the life is in the blood. I'm telling you, I look out here and I see a lot of bodies that are alive. And I'll tell you whats I, I might not know a lot about the anatomy of your body, but one thing I know, there's blood flowing through your your veins, right? And there's an instrument in your heart called an organ in your heart called a heart that's pumping blood through your body and it's bringing nutrients to your cells and taking away waste, Right? Am I right, you people that know all this stuff? Uh, but in the, the, I want my blood in my body. Because if I don't have it in my body, guess what? You're going to be calling the undertaker. It's very important. Now, that's the physical blood. Jesus gave his physical blood, but it also speaks about the blood saves us. From our sins. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. False teachers will bring false religion. They may sound good to a point, but there's always an ejection of falsehood into it. Don't buy into it. You know, again, I talk to a lot of Greeks. I, li- I like the Greek. I study the Greek a lot. But I ask them, because they're experts in the Greek, and their pronunciation is good. Mine's not maybe so good. I talked to a waitress yesterday. She's Greek. And and again, I said to her, I said, let me ask you the question. I gave the Greek for it. Ho, RK, you know, N, Logos, you all know that. Ho, the. R.K., in the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I said, so let me ask you a question. Can you have an A in that verse? She said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's a violation of the Greek. It's an indefinite article. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. There's a group that adds an A. You know they who they are. They add an A because they want to diminish the deity of Jesus Christ. OK, that is a false religion. They diminish him. And because of that, it, they're a cult. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ gave His blood. He's, his blood saves us from our sin because he gave his life on the cross and shed his blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. In the Old Testament, they brought blood to Cain did not bring a blood sacrifice. He brought a vegetable sacrifice. Nothing wrong with vegetables, but God wanted a blood sacrifice. So it was not only, I believe, the twofold, blood, sacrifice, and attitude. His attitude was wrong. So that's it. That's what false teachers do. Now, secondly, they run after the era of Balaam. Now, if you want to read this, go to Numbers. We're not going to turn to Numbers, but you can read this later. It's Numbers chapter 22 to 24. You know who Balaam was? Balaam's a false prophet. Remember the donkey? Remember? The donkey saw a who? Angel. And what happened? The donkey talked. This man was a false prophet. But you know what what he was? He was running after gainsaying. He wanted money. He was greedy. Again, bringing out false teachers. What's the the era of Balaam? It's an era of greed. Listen. One of the things has bothered me in uh, televangelism. And they're not all in this camp. But you'll hear this. If you don't send some money in, we're going to go off the air. Listen, I'm going to send money in if I want to. But don't give that off-the-air stuff. And I know they need money to run the station or whatever. But right away they put a guilt trip on you. And some old, older people that are shut-ins have been fleeced by these people. That's a terrible thing. You don't use Christianity and then try to put a guilt on people about giving. Or and I know we're to give cheerfully. I know that. I know that. And it's it, with the right heart and right attitude. Yes. But this false prophet, he was using. He, and this is what they do. They make the house of God a house of merchandise. You may recall that our Lord, when he went into the temple, what did he do? When he saw the house of God be used for a house of merchandise. We always think of Jesus as loving and kind and wouldn't harm a flea. On that particular day, he turned over their money-changing tables and drove them out. Amen. With a whip. Now you might say, "Oh, that's not Jesus." Jesus is loving, and He is. He is loving, kind, and gentle. He is all that. But He also He saw God's house, and here's what they were doing. When people traveled a the distance, they would bring their coinage with them, and when they came to the temple, they would exchange that coinage into temple coinage, the temple money. So they could buy their sacrifice. But you know what they were doing? They were cheating the people. And that's why he saw it was that the house of God was being used as a house of merchandise. Never let the house of God be used as a house of merchandise. Amen? That's the key. And that's, that's another era of these false teachers. The era of Cain, going the way of Cain, running after the era of Balaam. Greed. Then the third third one is the era again, saying of Korah. Now again, you can read this over. It's in number sixteen. Korah, along with Dotham and Abiram, rebelled against. Moses and Aaron. They challenged their leadership. Okay? Who was the appointed leadership at that time? Moses. You got to be careful. Even David, after he was anointed king, he would not go against God's anointed. Okay? you got to be careful. There's no perfect leadership. There's no perfect pastor. I'm not a perfect pastor. Far from it. But when there is a person that's been called and anointed, you need to come under the authority of the leadership of the church. Not as a dictator, but as a loving shepherd. Okay? Obviously, it doesn't mean you're just following along blindly. Because the pastor, if he's doing things wrong, needs to be corrected and challenged and corrected. But there, you're never gonna, you're never gonna have a perfect pastor. When we get an assistant here, he's not gonna be perfect. And he's not gonna be me. He's gonna be him. Okay? A lot of times what'll happen is, we're always afraid, you know, we always... And this happened when Pastor Kapanel left the First Baptist Church of Rhinebeck. And I stood set in as a assistant and, until I got a pastor. And I, I had to deal with this right away because they're going to compare you to Pastor Kapanel. You don't compare. You appreciate Everybody has their strengths and weaknesses, okay? And so we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we don't go against the leadership. If you have a question with the leadership, you should approach them and talk to them and say, hey, listen, I got a concern about something or whatever it may be. But these guys rebelled against Moses and Aaron. Does anybody know what happened to them? Huh? They got swallowed up in the earth. Huh? You got it there, Ray? What's it say? See what happened? Okay. They, they were got swallowed up because they were uh, challenging and going against the authority that God had put in place, Moses and Aaron. And also, probably there was jealousy there because Korah comes from the family of the Reubenites. And I believe the Reubenites is the oldest, Reuben's the oldest one. And maybe he felt wow, the oldest son should not be the priest. He doesn't understand. The priests don't come from the tribe of Reuben or from the tribe of Judah or from this tribe or that tribe. It comes from the tribe of the Levites. And Aaron is a Levite. So, but he's using this again that as false teachers, they will bring opposition. Now, here's how they do it. You've heard me say this before. It's called a fifth column. How many have heard me talk about a fifth column? You want to subvert a nation. You can do it outwardly like this. But what you also can do is plant them inside the country and then start to cause trouble and opposition. That's called a fifth column. Now, religiously-wise, you can attack, the enemy will attack this way, but he will also put in people that oppose. They They will gain acceptance, and then they will go around and say, well, have you noticed Frank? He's getting a little older, and he's starting to lose his mind. Is forgetting things. And they put in a little nugget. And then they get they gain an audience. And then pretty soon you have a problem. And that's what they do. And they do it very subtly. Because if you just came in and said, hey, the guy's a, a, a loser. <laughs> you know, he's a total loser. Get rid of him. You say, man, what's he, what are you talking about? This is subtle. And Korah, these false teachers, will do this. They'll come into an assembly, and they'll start to pick off certain ones. We've had it here. We had to approach this particular individual and say, listen, you're more than welcome to come, but you're not welcome to come and bring your false teaching. A woman asked me, she called me up from the church, said this particular woman wanted to go out and have coffee with her. Should I go? I said, no. She didn't want to have coffee. Yes, she might have coffee, but she wanted to start injecting something into her. This is how false teachers work. It'd be like our own families. You're not going to have somebody come into your family, and you don't know them very well, and pretty soon they're taking care of your children. They've been injecting poison into their hearts. You've got to be careful. And I'm not saying afraid. There's a big difference between being afraid and being aware and careful. And as a church, we have to be aware and careful of false teachers. They're abounding. Sad to say, in the last days, we're going to see more and more of it. It's called the apostate day. And that's one of the characteristics that says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, One of the characteristics of the last days is apostasy that's creeping in. So this is what Jude is warning about. It can creep in easy. So just to sum everything up, be cautious about rebuking. Rebuke in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In, in Revelation 12, 11, it says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. They didn't overcome him by their own selves. I don't overcome any, I don't overcome the devil by myself. I'm going to overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Isn't that how we how it happens? And so the Lord rebuked you, not me, the Lord. Okay. Secondly, Cain. Don't go after the way of Cain, Jude says. Okay? Wrong sacrifice, wrong attitude. Don't run after the era of Balaam, the greedy, gainsaying prophet. Okay? False prophet of greed. He wanted to make the house of God a house of merchandise. At that time, back then, Israel. Okay? Okay? And, of course, we saw this with Jesus when he dealt with the, the religious leaders in the temple. And then, of course, Korah, who was opposing God's appointed leadership, Moses and Aaron. And, of course, the rebellion was, it was taken care of. Now, here's the key. And I'm going to close with this. It's right on the bottom of the page there in the verse. Beloved. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So how do you try it? The word try could also be translated test. We use many tests. I went to the, uh, Louie and I went to the nursing home yesterday at Thompson House. The first thing they go in, we go in, they take a temperature check, and then the second thing they give us a little, uh, like a uh, swab to put up our nose, and then they take that and dip it into some liquid, and then they put it on this slide. Does everybody know what they're doing? They're checking to see if we have COVID, and then they look at it and they look. There's a line there it shows up, and they. Or there could be two lines. I like guess there's two lines, you got the virus. Some of, That's one test. And they do it. They're testing you to make sure you don't go in the nursing home if you got the virus. Okay? And there's many other tests that we do. So we test things, we test it to check and see if this, this is what it is. So what do you do from a biblical or spiritual point of view? Somebody comes in and you. They they give you a lot of stuff. Check it out. In Acts 17.11, it says, The Bereans were more noble-minded than those at Thessalonica, for they had received the word with readiness of heart and checked it out. They checked it out. They received it, but checked it out. Paul brought it. The apostle Paul brought it. So they received it, but checked it out. How do you check it out? Here's how you do it. I'll give you three ways. Right here, the word of God. Secondly, the spirit of God. What do you think the third one is? Huh? You, my brothers and sisters, counsel. It's always good to seek counsel. I I might go to a Reed or a Ray or a Gerard or whoever. Say, hey, Reed, uh, somebody came to me and they told me this. What do you think? Right? So I go to a brother or sister in the Lord that I trust because I I want to have accountability. I want to have counsel from them because I could be off a little bit. But if I run it by others that I trust, it's like testing it and trying it. So the word of God, the spirit of God, and godly counsel. And the the multitude of counselors there's what? Safety. And in Proverbs, it also says if if you go to war, you have counsel, right? I'm afraid some of our wars we fought, we haven't had the proper counsel when we went into them. Because whenever you go to war, you should have an entrance and an exit. Not just a flop around deal. You should have a pure objective. Pure. This is what we're going to do. And we had that in the first Gulf War. When they went up to that parallel line. And stopped. Because there was a pure. True objective. And that's how we have to be spiritual. We have to have a true spiritual objective. Amen. And that's the key. So. Greater is he, that's where? In us, than he that's in the world. God is in control. But we need to trust him, check it out with the word, spirit of God, give me direction, guidance in this, and I'm going to go to my brothers and sisters and run it by them. Amen? And pray about it. Pray about it. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord. We live in a very critical day, but we have the truth. Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus Christ will set us free. He he is our truth. He is the truth. He said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Thank you, Lord. Give us good discernment. Give us good understanding of your word. Let us go to our brothers and sisters when we might have a question, something might concern us about a certain issue that we've been uh, confronted with. But, Lord, we know that your truth is truth. It's not a a mixed-up deal. It's absolute. And we give you thanks for that. Thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters. And here's the truth now. I pray that everybody here can say, I truly know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He died for my sins and rose from the dead. And I believe on him and receive him into my life. In Jesus' name we pray.